Bienvenidos to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. In tonight's program, we speak with Larisa Dugan Cuadra, Executive Director of the Central American Resource Center in San Francisco, about the blocking of President Obama's executive actions on immigration, known as DACA and DAPA, and what it means for members of the immigrant community. And we end tonight's program with Chicano poetry and feature the music of Olmeca and Bangdara. Todo esto y mucho más, so stay tuned. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. I have on the line with me Larisa Dugan-Cuadra. She's the executive director of CARECEN, the Central American Resource Center, and it's based in San Francisco, but serves a lot of families that have ties all over the Bay Area. So thank you so much for joining us, Larisa. We're happy to have you on to talk about a very urgent issue, which is the threats to Latino families in the Bay Area. So something that CARECEN has worked on since it its conceptions is pushing for more just immigration policy. And we finally have seen some movement. It's been so, so long since we've had any kind of immigration reform, but a lot of people still um, pretty unclear with the recent U.S. Supreme Court rulings around the Deferred Action for Parents of Americans and Lawful Permanent Residents. We've had this new ruling. So tell us a little bit, Larissa, about, about what's happening on a federal level. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having us again on the show. Good evening, Bay Area. So as you mentioned, Carrefin has been basically in a struggle for advancing immigrant rights and working families' rights in San Francisco and Northern California for 30 years. This year, we're turning 30, and we're having a big pachanga on November 10th, so take the date, everyone. And then, you know, briefly about Carrefin, uh, we have three core pillar areas of focus. One is excellence in social services, and our mother program is the Immigrant Legal Services Program. We also have a, a youth program, second chance youth program, and such a removal clinic. We have a family wellness program and health promotion. We also do community building, and our goal with community building is really to bring community together to engage politically in advancing their rights and also in contributing to San Francisco and the greater Bay Area. Our second pillar of focus is advocacy, and we focus on immigrant rights, juvenile justice, and Latino health. And our third pillar, I think it's kind of a unique pillar we have is a 501c3 or nonprofit in San Francisco that we have a transnational focus. We as Central Americans and as people from Latin America care about what's happening in our countries of origin. We're also connected to our families and communities in our countries of origin. And we believe that our mission is not only to serve people here in the U.S., but to also ensure that our community can thrive in our countries of origin as well as in the Bay Area. The root causes of migration stem from violence and lack of economic opportunity in the region. Also, family reunification is a big factor because our families, since the 80s, people were forced to migrate and, you know, flee uh, war-torn countries. And so families are still reunifying 20-plus years later, and it's part of our reality. So that's who Carrefin is. And as you mentioned, this country has been very slow, if anything, to realize that this is a nation that's built on immigrants' back and that our immigration system is completely outdated and irrelevant. It's not responsive to reality, to global reality, nor to the 11 million-plus individuals who are working and contributing to this nation and who still are awaiting some form of immigration relief so that they can cast out of the shadows and continue to contribute their work and their love and their everything to this country that they call home as well. As we know, June 22nd of this year, we have been long awaiting the Supreme Court ruling on the DACA-DAPA case, which is uh, the U.S. versus Texas. And we were unhappy to see that it was a 4-4 ruling, essentially kicking this whole issue back to the Texas courts. We are of course, it's appointed as millions of people, almost 5 million people, could potentially benefit from this program. You know, it would have moved the needle for a lot of the 11 million-plus people awaiting immigration relief. It wasn't going to be a permanent program similar to the PSA 
temporary protective status where you have to renew your this form of release every so many months, 18 months or so. But it's something because it allowed, it would have allowed for, again, millions of parents of children born in the U.S. to be able to work lawfully. This ruling does not mean that we've lost the battle. We know that there's going to be a long process again in the courts, and we're going to continue to fight. And so we don't know exactly when the final outcome is going to come to fruition, but we know that attorneys and immigrant rights advocates are, are going to continue to push for this issue to make it through the Supreme Court. I think a detail that's important to note is that President Obama had made a nomination for the Supreme Court, and the Republicans essentially did not fulfill their duty which was to have hearings on this nomination, which could have potentially made a big difference on this case. We, you know, were disappointed as, as usual with the Republicans who refused to legislate in this country. And it's highly problematic. And what we're seeing, you know, just since the elections kind of kicked off is the uncannying of this country's racism, basically, particularly through the speech of Donald Trump and many of his supporters. And so, you know, we're going to keep fighting for DACA, DAPA. We are regrouping ourselves as immigrant rights advocates locally and nationally, having discussions already about what the next steps are going to be to continue to push for comprehensive immigration reform, which is ultimately what we need to see in this country. Uh, we know that Hillary Clinton has stated that if she becomes president, that she will honor President Obama's executive action. And again, there's a lot of unknowns. We're still eager to see what the outcomes of the elections in November are going to be. And I think that's going to determine a lot of our, our future work. But in the meantime, we see that it's important more than ever to really turn out the vote. We think that we need to continue to be active and loud in terms of our demands. And our demands continue to be the same, that Again, this country overhauled its outdated and pretty much ridiculous immigration system. In fact, it's an inhumane immigration system. And ultimately, what we are continuing to hear from Obama, which we don't like, is that he will continue to deport individuals and separate families. You know, with every kind of bit of sugar that we get, we get a lot of salt from him. And we've seen under his presidency, the pro-ESCOM and PEPCOM pretty much working full-fledged and all across the country, they continue to prioritize deportations throughout the, the nation. So we continue to fight against those deportations. We had a recent win. You know, we also have wins <laughs> mostly at the local level. And uh, we were able to have the Board of Supervisors provide way more guidance to our local army sheriff, Sheriff Tennessee, on what her role should be and how far she should or should not collaborate with ICE. She felt that her power derives from the state, and so what we had to do was really kind of many nonprofit organizations through Pre-SF engage in negotiations with her office and in partnership with supervisor councils and all the Avalos and Mar and the champions to provide more clear guidelines for any instance in which they should or should not communicate with ICE. In general, what we achieved was a greater level of protection for everyone in San Francisco, and so it was definitely a win. It wasn't a perfect negotiation. We didn't get, you know, like absolute no collaboration with ICE, but there's going to be so many steps that they would have to go through to even get to that point that we feel really confident that very few, if any, people will be impacted by the sheriff's office in San Francisco collaborating with ICE. So, yeah, we've had some wins uh, locally. We continue to struggle and continue to fight at the federal level. And again, what we're seeing is consistent, and that is a, a Congress uh, that's controlled by the Republicans that refuses to legislate and that refuses to do its constitutional duty, such as having the hearings for the president's um, nomination for to replace Justice Scalia. And so a lot of questions are going to be answered post the elections in November. You're listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza, and that's the voice of Larisa Dugan-Cuadra, who is the executive director of CARESEN, the Central American Resource Center based in San Francisco, California. So Larisa, as you mentioned, CARESEN really fights for immigrant families and low-income families. There's much need to fight right now. As we know, there have been continuous fires in the mission that have displaced many families. 
an increase in, in the rental market with very little support for families. There's been huge displacement. So tell us about what Garesen and other groups are doing in the mission and uh, to fight this push out that's happening. Uh, our mission is really to serve low-income and working families and to partner with them to push our community towards healthy, thriving, self-sufficient communities. And that's that's what we're, with so many other partners throughout the Bay, uh, working so hard for. As you mentioned, yes, there's been fire. There continues to be fires, and the mission is almost symbolic at this point that all these buildings of low-income families continue to, to burn and it just feels like our city is coming to ashes for the working class and the poor. But we don't give up, and we're hopeful. Otherwise, we wouldn't do what we do. And so, again, just like we work in partnership with immigrant rights advocates community, we do so for family support, and we do it a lot with Latino-led, immigrant-led nonprofit organizations throughout the city. And more recently, many of these nonprofit organizations in the Mission District and those serving Latino citywide have come together to strategize and discuss how can we respond to the emerging needs that we, we're seeing every day through the services that we provide uh, in our community. People are having to make choices between putting food on the table, paying for laundry, people are having to make choices between paying the rent and being able to pay electricity. And so started to talk about how can we mitigate the impact of gentrification in our city. At this point, you know, the promise of new housing, new affordable housing is important, but it just seems so far down the line. Even some of the units that they've discussed, which are less than 1,000 units, that in the pipeline in the Mission District are not even going to be ready for the next four years. In the meantime, our families continue to be evicted, to continue to have rent increases, and overall, like, struggle with the increase in the cost of living in San Francisco. Because right now, one of the most expensive cities in the world well, is the most expensive city in the country, and California is the sixth largest economy in the world. So, you know, here we are in a city that you can see, smell, and feel the money, and as much as you can see and smell and feel the money, you can also, if you're an organization such as ours, see, feel, and smell, and feel the pain of the struggles our communities are facing. So we've been in dialogue about a Latino equity and parity budget and have had started a conversation with the mayor's office in San Francisco about securing additional funding to help mitigate against displacement. And what that means is essentially providing families with rental assistance uh, or subsidies, providing transportation vouchers, we even have been buying food cars lately at Carrefour because we're seeing people go hungry. And so we just don't have enough as an organization to be able to respond to the level of need. So we requested the mayor $7.5 million. This is a collaborative request, and it involves more than 20 nonprofit organizations, all who provide essential social services, all who are seeing and experiencing the same reality, and all who are really like coming together. We've been meeting weekly to come up with, um, you know, not only like a short-term response, but to really start pushing a greater agenda for Latino and working families in the city. We need to have a short-term, mid-term, and long-term vision for how our families will thrive in San Francisco. I refuse to believe that we've lost the city, although it feels that way sometimes, and I think many of us refuse to kind of give in. We believe that a healthy city is a city where all children thrive, and unfortunately, San Francisco is not driving that way right now. For the first time, uh, and I know this is true throughout the Bay Area, we've seen homeless children on the street. There's an estimated 600-plus homeless children in San Francisco, and it's just not acceptable. How can a city so wealthy, such a kind of like belly of the world in a way, Silicon Valley in our backyard and so on, have this level of poverty? And in fact, you know, shamefully right now, San Francisco is not looking very different from a lot of the developing nations that we came from, where the Gini coefficients or the difference between the wealth of the rich and the poor is so great. San Francisco is really up there. You know, we have such great wealth disparity in our city, and it's having a massive negative impact on children and families. Uh, the stress of parents, we're seeing it, we're feeling it. And so, again, 
our proposal to our mayor is that when there's a will, there's a way, and that, yes, housing and brick and mortar is part of the answer, but we need to have a longer-term vision for all the children in San Francisco, for all families in San Francisco. And it's not, you know, Latino versus anybody else issue. You know, we speak from that place because we're the Latino serving organization, but we know that communities across the city, uh, the API community, the African-American community, even white working class people are struggling to make ends meet. And so it's time for us to start developing a vision, an anti-poverty strategy. There's no reason why there should be poverty in San Francisco. I don't have quite an answer, but I can tell you again that what we're seeing is tremendous levels of poverty, high stress levels. Parents have to make really difficult choices. And so we're doing our part to try to bring as much relief as possible, how and whenever we can. Some of it is resources. Some of it is just human touch. And the bigger issue is just, again, having a greater vision for San Francisco, a vision that's not just about attracting certain sectors or certain, you know, businesses, but a vision that is about lifting all families in our city. And then if San Francisco can figure this out, I think the rest of the Bay Area will benefit. And Again, we want to learn from all communities, all sides, even globally. We were actually making a joke when we met with the mayor's office that maybe they should watch Michael Moore's letter and date next to get some good ideas about how we can start turning uh, the tides of working class and poor San Franciscans. Larissa, so why don't you tell us how people can connect to the work that Carecen's doing so they can support this push to create a San Francisco where everyone can live and thrive? There's lots of ways that all of us can get involved. One of them is by being physically active and engaged. And, and when time allows, you know, I know people have to work, but it's always good if you can make it once a, once a month or once a year to some of the hearings at City Hall to share how you feel and, and the city and, you know, your thoughts about the city that we kind of want for our people. You can also find petitions that we occasionally put out there advancing various policies or initiatives at the federal, state, or local level. You can join us through some of our community events. We have workshops at Minas Amigos Park on 22nd and 4th Street almost every day. You can join us and come break bread with us. You can make a donation to Caresen by visiting our website, caresensf.org. You can come and support us for our 30th anniversary in November. And we know that there's going to be a lot of activities leading up to the elections in November and then beyond. One, to, again, you know, hold these politicians accountable. And two, to try continue to push uh, comprehensive immigration reform. We want to stop the deportations. Uh, we want some form of relief, class relief for Central American refugees and refugees from throughout uh, the world. And we want to have people engage in a dialogue about fighting racism and fighting poverty in this country. There's no reason why a country this wealthy should have the outcomes that we see. We need to also, we need support on gun legislation to, to you know, regulate guns because we know that many of the youth, the senseless losses of life that we live and experience in our community are because of this weapon industry that is profiting off of people. So there's so much going on. But ultimately, people can engage in so many ways, through social media, through uh, actively going to marches, to going to City Hall and giving public testimony, writing op-eds, making donations, et cetera. I mean, there's lots of ways. And if you visit our website, usually when we have a, a petition, we don't only endorse our own petitions, but we actually also advance other collaborations and organizations' petitions that are equally important. So taking that time to sign a petition, taking the time to call the White House makes a huge difference. We need voices and we need everyone's voices to join to protect the safety of young people against, you know, unregulated weapons. We need everybody's voices to come out and support the immigrant community in this long-awaited immigration reform. And we need people to contribute their resources if they have some to help us continue doing our work. Thank you so much, Larissa. We've been speaking with Larissa Dugan-Cuadra from Carecen, the Central American Resource Center based in San Francisco. Muchísimas gracias por hablar con nosotros. Muchas gracias, Julieta. Ese que me llevas 
Ese que me alejas, ese que no dejas respirar, ese que mareas, ese que me desesperas, ese que me avientas a de la vida dime que es normal viento de la vida donde puedo acobijar mis miedos viento de la vida cuánto hay que esperar viento de la vida como desentumecer mis dedos estos dos brazos que tengo yo para pelear Aunque no quiero
were just listening to the song SB 1070 by local musician Diana Gameros. Coming up next, the song Dump Trump by hip-hop artist Olmeca. The American dream is dead. It's a private affair, money to spare. Freedom rings in my ear, life hanging on the bullet. Ballad of the bullet still relevant. American tradition is fear, the unknown, I said it. Anti immigrant sentiment really mean anti Mexican. So here we go again. We don't assimilate, so they don't associate citizen. I'm a natural dissident. Civil liberties only masking the racial oppression. The sermon that's given that rallies only hiding, providing the energy needed for fascist and fascist infectious rhetoric. Phenomenal, fanatical fallacy happening. Anti activist sentiment really mean authoritarian, strong men, politics. Step to the truth or you don't step at all So I invite you to fly, man, despite the law Come on, don't trump and F the police Don't trump and F the police Don't trump and F the police Say it with a purpose and say what you mean Don't trump and F the police Don't trump and F the police Don't trump and F the police Say it with a purpose and say what you mean Jim Crow only grows the numbers When you got a politician that acts like master So I ain't too concerned about the master I look over my shoulder for those who want them in power Powerless Giving the power for the powerful to have power. That's retrograde life. Better be looking for better dealing with healing government. Not giving a damn soul zealot appealing. Soldiers so disenfranchised. So bad, so bad, not surprised. Scapegoating immigrants, it's alright. Black president denied and chastised. You've been fed with the federal lead, poisonous pen. Policy rain for in a debt. The wealthy won't fix your case. If they fix, they lose. So they blame the rest. That's the plan. Rich people say not again. Money gain votes. Which man wouldn't do it if you knew you gain notes? Vote won't change. What they all miss, bridge the gap, but the gap is fixed. Don't trump and F the police. Don't trump and F the police. Don't trump and F the police. Say it with a purpose and say what you mean. Don't trump and F the police. Don't trump and F the police. Don't trump and F the police. Say it with a purpose and say what you mean. For the building, flip-flopping style 90s conservative racial profile Her profile should be white power denial Pushing Clinton, favor monopolies Trump on some monarchy, ruling with family Making it great again, means making money You couldn't give a damn about national sovereignty It's like Adam Smith was born again Made John Adams, became Hitler's friend It's a stone-cold fact He's a white board for a fascist state uh, They don't want black, they don't want brown They don't want black, they don't want brown They don't want black, they don't want brown We're here, so hear our sound That was the song Dump Trump by hip-hop artist Olmeca. Coming up next, El Sabor de Poesía Chicana, the flavor of Chicano poetry, a bilingual poetic musical expression of Chicano life featuring five of California's outstanding poets, writers, and recording artists, including Luzma Espinosa, Juan Felipe Herrera, Jose Montoya, Valentina Productions, and music of Los Alacranes Mojados, Ruben Blades, and Carlos Santana. la cultura chicana, semillas de la raza, little carnalitos en la casa, a US Chevrolet onto the floor, con unos tight skirt spokes and four doors, images of the Mexican Revolution, perhaps a tía, ama or abuelo, speak a language no del anglo, 
¿Qué es la cultura chicana? An oldie, a salsa, the greasy burrito sweet hide in our lunch sacks, a state worker who says he's Hispanic, chale man, a single free modern chicano o chicana. This is a program of poetry, Poesía Chicana. Featured poets are Luz María Espinosa, Juan Felipe Herrera, José Montoya, y Valentina Productions, todos de Califas. chica plástica, de esas que veo por ahí, de esas que cuando se agitan, sudan Chanel number three, que sueñan casarse con un doctor, pues él puede mantenerlas mejor, no le hablan a nadie si no es su igual, a menos que sea fulano de tal, son lindas, delgadas, de buen vestir, de mirada esquiva y falso reír. Juan Felipe. Doing the, that new American thing is a, uh, is a poem that really is talking about the new wave, the new uh, wave of politics that's hitting, uh, hitting everybody in this country. And this poem asks that question, are you doing that new American thing? Are you doing that new American thing, sweet thing? Handsome thing, that thing about coming out, all the way out, about her, telling him, telling us, telling them that we must kill the revolutionary soul because it was only a magical thing, a sacred thing, a momentary thing, a thing outside of time, a 60s thing, a brown beret thing, a grassroots thing, a street thing, a loud thing, a spontaneous thing, a Vietnam thing, a white radical thing, an Aslan thing, a nationalist thing, for pochos and cholos, only thing, a college thing, an August 29th, 1970, moratorium thing, an outdated thing, a primitive thing, sweet thing, handsome thing, the thing about coming out, all the way out, on a communist scare thing, a red thing, a let's go back to war thing, that we must stop the El Salvador thing, because it could lead to another Nicaragua thing, because we need order and Regan in the America's thing. Are you doing that new American thing? The chains, pins, and leather thing? The aluminum thing? The transparent plastic underwear thing? The lonely boulevard thing? The hopeless existentialist thing? The neo-Paris melancholy thing? The nightmare thing? The urban artist thing? The laughing thing? The serious suicide thing? The new American Chicano thing? The end of the world thing, the humble genius thing, the victim thing, the enlightened quasi-political thing, the university hustle for the pie thing, the we are the community thing, are you doing that new American thing, the nacimos para morir thing, the Dios y hombre thing, the así nomás thing, the quien sabe thing, the todo se acaba thing, the la vida es un misterio thing, the no quiero problemas thing, the quisiera ser thing, the con dinero baila la mona thing, the vato firme thing, the chola de aquellas thing, the no me toques thing, doing the be clean, be seen with the right people thing. Doing the be macho again because women like it anyway thing. Doing the look out for number one because you tried the group thing thing. Doing the be submissive again because after all, a woman needs a man thing. Doing the army thing because it really does pay more than hanging around the barrio 
thing. Doing the women's draft thing because you can do it better than the men thing. Doing the go Greek because identity is a relative social process thing. Doing the purity thing because no one got to be president by eating greasy tacos thing. Doing the spa thing because there you will meet the right tall and dark and blonde and tender thing. Are you doing that new American thing? Sweet thing, handsome thing, that thing about coming out all the way out about her telling him him telling us telling them that we must kill the revolutionary soul I was born in Uruapan, Michoacán, and since then have inherited the name La Chicana Michoacana. Um, my poetry is a mixture of Chicano, Mexicano, and Indio uh, perspective of life because they are the things that have made me and the things that I have learned. When I was younger, I was always um, had a complex about my features because I'm very India looking. And as I've grown older, I've learned to appreciate them. My next poem deals with that and how hard it was growing up as a teenager. And it's called Pensamientos All Mixed Up. No muscle-born man could take my hand from my guy. It's playing on the radio. Y en mi mente y en mi espíritu, veo a Santa Paula. I'm sitting here in Sanfra trying hard to figure out just exactly when it was I was in the sixth grade, walking through Orchard Street with Patsy Silva. You remember when we used to go to choir? We were walking in the teens. You, La Rosemary, Alma, all the rest of you. Y el Benny y el Babe. Cuántos años hace que Patsy and I were friends. I remember yo por sixth grade, 12th Street, Barbara Webster y todas las carnalas from around la vecindad. Walking through La Orchard, going to choir, y los cuates right across the church were the reason we were so santitas. Take good care of my baby. Rosemary, Patsy, and Alice, remember when you told me, Patsy, que tu mamá había dicho que I look como una pura india? So I went home and told my mom, and she said, No, mija. Los indios son feos, dile a Patsy a su mamá que están locas. And I grew up hating myself. Y ahora, muchos años más después, I say con mucho orgullo, Sí, soy india, sí lo soy, ¿y qué? More love and more joy than age or time could ever destroy. My love would be so sound, it would take a hundred lifetimes to live it down, wear it down, tear it down. And I think of UC Santa Bruta, where I learned all about life. Y yo pienso de la mona de la 601 East Haley. I think of Pablo, Joy, Terry, de la Ima, y Sa Frankie Sandoval, Santa Bruta. Tú sí que eres bruta, pero a la vez que amor. And I'm writing this here poem on the pages of the United States Coast Guard with brochure and reference guide, the many missions of the United States Coast Guard. Oh boy, I'd be in trouble if you left me now Cause I don't know where to look for love I just don't know how And it's 1972 Fats, La Josie, Malcolm, La Jerry, Johnny Gilbert And all the rest of you My fast pimp and wanna be a negro style and kind of life And it's 1981 Rasalogia time Y tu como chicana, mexicana, latina Or whatever you choose to call yourself Will be checking out what's life Y todos los caminos por donde andas son tu autorreflexión And what are you gonna use to check it out with carnala? Hermana, let's 
let's get ourselves together. In the year 1970, in the city of San Diego, under the Coronado Bridge, lied a little piece of land. A piece of land that the community of Logan Heights wanted to make into a park. A park where all the chavalitos could come and play in, so they wouldn't have to play in the street anymore and get run over by a car. A park where all the viejitos could come and just sit down and watch the sun go down in the tarde. A park where all the familias could come and just get together on a Sunday afternoon and celebrate the spirit of life itself. But the city of San Diego said, Chale, we're gonna make a highway patrol substation here, man. So on April the 22nd, 1970, La Raza of Logan Heights and other Chicano communities of San Diego got together and they organized and they walked on the land and they took it over with their picks and their shovels and they began to build their park. And today, that little piece of land under the Coronado Bridge is known to everybody as Chicano Park. It began in 1970 under the Coronado Bridge in my barrio in San Diego where my people began to fight Chicano Park, oh Chicano Park, under the bridge, under the bridge, under the bridge. Uh, my name is uh, Jose Montoya. I've uh, been writing poetry for a long, long time. Now, one of the things that uh, one has to come to grips with uh, when one decides to become a poet is that you can uh, not hold back those images that, 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 that become very clear to you. You, you, you kind of sharpen your inner sights to the point where sometimes the things that you see are very um, uh, painful, but uh, again, if we propose to be that mirror that that, that uh, reflects what our people are all about, uh, you can't hold that in, and sometimes I guess that's why poets always wind up before firing squats. They can't keep their mouth shut, and a lot of times they step on a lot of toes. So this one uh, kind of reminds me of that all the time because uh, the hardest thing that uh, we have is... Um, when we have to uh, remind our own people that uh, we are uh, the, the people that hurt ourselves the most. Uh, this is a poem entitled, Those Days Are Us. We were once a principled people. Ser chuecos was never our style. Los chuecos were always los otros, los they. Now we discover que los days nos vacilaron and striving to build a Chicano nation that proposes to guarantee the Indians a better deal is no longer the issue when we consider que los days have Eskimos guarding the Alaskan pipeline. Los days nos siguen jodiendo worse than before. Today they beat up lowriders like they beat up pachucos before. But only the uniform is the same porque las caras are our faces as in Chicano cops killing us, killing ourselves. Antes, los days used to put us in MR classes. Today, they do it in two languages. Only the system remains the same, but the faces are becoming our faces. News item, front page, of course. Chicano educator ups comes with project monies. Isaben retorcer el filero, noted Chicano educator, respected Chicano educator. Before, los public defenders nos mandaban al tabique, and today, once mecha militants are sending us up and charging us for it. 
An interesting aside, there was a fundraiser for David accused of blowing up the telephone company. His attorney, early movement vato, had the audacity to come to where the barrio was raising the fee. And David was doing time. Just an interesting aside. Y los políticos used us as they broke bread with our leaders and they lied to us like politicians lie. And today the lies are the same as we break pan dulce and have canela clutches. And the faces are our faces. And brown elected officials make and pass laws to destroy us and Panama. Once we were a principal people, today we have very little left that is still ours. Today we have nothing to lose. Only confusion can contain us. Dispel the confusion, compañero, compañera, y trucha con los days, because los days are us, isn't person. You see a veil. Un nervoso with my black hair streaming down, but always covering half of my face. You say that I am your woman, sometimes suggestive, sometimes hiding, but always weak. You say I never release that veil that hides me, so that makes me mysterious? That is only because you spend too much time looking at me, not seeing me. You spend all your time writing about me, but not knowing me. A goddess in your poems you make me, a flower in your dreams I am. And in your mind, you carry the thoughts of your desires. But I don't want to just live in your poems, in your dreams. I want you to see me, the person. I'm trying to unveil myself so that you can see me fully, completely. It's time you realize that I too have scars like you, but I too am strong like you. We can love each other. But we can also work together. So don't look another way when oppression brings you down. Don't turn your back on me when you need some strength and some help. Look at me. Look at my face. The veil removed. Together we can hold up the sky. This is a poem that helps me to always clean up my act. <laughs> and so this little poem I wrote uh, after having seen one of our very, very illustrious intellectuals Entre La Chicanada delivering a very, very important speech one time, but uh, it really didn't have that much effect regardless of how important or how succinct or, or how... Uh, uh, intelligent his points were coming across there was just something that uh, didn't quite uh, allow what he was saying to come through 
And it was after that that I wrote this poem to remind myself always to uh, be very, very cautious uh, about what I say and how I say it and where I say it. It's a short little poem entitled, A Moco Poem. And if you see a moco on my bigote, don't suffer my shame and don't punish me with your silence. Tell me about it. Yo, muchas gracias. This program was produced by Santiago. Gracias a Luz María Espinosa, Juan Felipe Herrera, Jose Montoya, and Valentina Productions for Pacifica in Berkeley. You were just listening to El Sabor de Poesía Chicana, the flavor of Chicano poetry a bilingual poetic musical expression of Chicano life featuring five of California's outstanding poets, writers, and recording artists. The San Francisco Bay Area group led by Deuce Eclipse and Juan Manuel Caipo released the single Yano Mas and is available at digital music stores and streaming services everywhere. Yano Mas is a pleasant surprise showing a side of bang data that their fans would not have expected. A catchy, melodic song created with a focus on smooth vocals and the charango, an Andean Peruvian instrument. Cuando acabó tu comprensión ya no más La tempestad ya se calmó Sé que juntos daremos para más uh, 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 uh. Sueño 
was the latest track by local group Bang Data. The song is called Ya No Mas. to La Raza Chronicles, Cronicas de la Raza. I'm Brenda Yescas, and this is a calendar of Bay Area events and happenings for the week of Tuesday the 5th through the 11th. For Thursday, July 7th, musical legend Pete Escovedo shows his personal experience of the world through his eyes on canvas in an open reception at the White Box Studio, 1726 San Pablo Avenue in Oakland. Starts at 5 p.m. For Friday, July 8th, join Mission Cultural Center for the 109th birthday celebration of Mexican visual artist Frida Kahlo, an icon considered by many as one of the most influential artists of our time. Join fans, admirers, artists, young and old, in this great and joyous celebration with art craft vendors, interactive fashion shows, DJ, and a live band, Susana y Orquesta Adelante, at Mission Cultural Center for Latino Arts. 2868 Mission Street in San Francisco. Starts at 6 p.m. MissionCulturalCenter.org. And this has been a list of Bay Area events, cultura y arte for the Bay Area. If you would like to add your event to the calendar, please email us at larasachronicles at kpfa.org or for more information on our show, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Chronicles. Feliz noches! You've been listening to La Raza Chronicles Crónicas de la Raza on KPFA 94.1 FM, community-powered radio. Tonight's program was produced by Nina Serrano, Julieta Kuznir, Brenda Yescas, and Vanessa Bohm. If you'd like to hear this program again or share it with others, just search for La Raza Chronicles on SoundCloud.com. Make sure to like us on Facebook to receive regular updates on news, arts, and culture desde el mundo latino. We'd love to hear feedback from listeners, so send us an email at larasachronicles at kpfa.org. Stay tuned next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for more of La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. Hasta la próxima. Buenas noches.